0: Tits up is both an expression used when things have gone terribly wrong and a phrase coined as a rallying cry to stand up straight, own the stage and knock them dead. There are a few things in this world that can make your life go tits up more quickly than a breast cancer diagnosis, especially for adolescent and young adult women. This podcast is meant to give us AYAs a feeling of community, understanding, and power helping us to walk into each day with a feeling of tits up. We are not medical professionals and we are not giving medical advice. Everyone's experience with cancer is very different. And just because we did something one way does not mean that it is necessarily the way that you should do it. If you have any questions about your health and well-being, please contact your doctor. Hello family. It's Megan and Sam this week on tits up. We are talking about breast reconstruction, the good, the bad, and the sometimes ugly. Um, we, we touched on some reconstruction in our last episode, but we want to devote this entire episode to the topic. Um, so plastic surgery and breast reconstruction surgery can sometimes be a pretty controversial, um, decision or topic. Um, Sam, what are, what are your thoughts and tell us about what you had done, um, after your mastectomy. Breast reconstruction is
1: definitely controversial and extremely difficult. Um, but personally, I think everybody should do whatever the F you want to do and whatever makes Mm -hmm. you feel good, regardless of what anybody else thinks. If you're 70 years old and want them implants, you better get them. Uh, Yep. if you're, (laughs) Uh, 25 and you want to go flat, you do that. Uh, yep. I'm for whatever the patient slash individual wants to do. Uh, personally for me, I wanted to get implants from the beginning. It was something I really built up in my head. I was like, if I have to do chemo and I have cancer and blah, 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 blah. I want to make sure I'll have a nice pair to replace the ones I have because If I want to take them out in 40 years, guess what? Uh I can do that. (laughs) Um, So I didn't really see the risk to not get it done other than if I would have not ended up liking my reconstruction, then I'm sure I would have a different view. But to be quite frank, Megan, I was very lucky with my reconstruction. The only hiccup I would say I had was my original team of surgeons was all female and I ended up going to a team of male surgeons, but with my original team, I was going to have expanders do a multi-step surgery, um, vice with my all male team. They said that I was a perfect candidate to do the direct to implant, which is what I ended up doing. And like I said, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with my result. I can't complain. Um, so, but I know that not everybody is as lucky as me. So Megan, can you give us some insight to how your
0: experience reconstruction uh, yeah. kind of yeah. journey was? My, mine was a little different, Um, still a lot better than some that I've heard. And, you know, a lot of people just to kind of piggyback off what you just said um, a few minutes ago, a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts on reconstruction versus going flat and, I second what you said, do whatever you want to do. It is your body. What makes you feel the best? Um, and what makes you feel, you know, the safest, some people don't like implants in their body. They don't like a foreign object in their body. I a hundred percent understand that. Um, for me, I did do reconstruction. Um, but you know, I, I do just to kind of finish that thought, cause I'm kind of all over the place right now, but just to finish that thought, I think it's, it's human nature for people to kind of pipe up on what's going on with you. You may have had a ton of family members that have been like, oh, you need to start eating this or taking that or whatever. Take all of that with a grain of salt. It's human nature. When somebody's going through something, I think to kind of pipe up with your thoughts and feelings. Um, But nothing that anybody says is going to affect them for the rest of their life. It's going to affect you for the rest of your life. So what do you want the most? Um, and that's a, that's a really tough decision to make. You know, I mean, I thought about going flat for a little bit. I thought about reconstruction. I thought about just not doing a mastectomy and only doing a lumpectomy. Like my brain went everywhere. Um, so I had a double mastectomy and I wanted to do direct to implant. Well, (laughs) let me back that up. I wanted to originally do a deep procedure. It's D I E P and I've got it up here. It stands for. Um, Oh, well now I lost what it stands for, but it's where the tissue comes from your tummy, like from your abdomen and they move the tissue and the fat and all of that right back up to your boobs. And they recreate boobs out of your tummy. Now I saw that as okay. Cancer sucks. Is there a way I can get like a tummy tuck (laughs) basically from this? Um, I was really, really looking into that, but that was not a great choice for me personally, after talking to my, um,
1: pause here.
0: Sorry. Uh,
1: deep, inferior epigastric
0: perforator. Does That sound right? Wow, that's mouthful. Say that one more time. Deep, inferior
1: epigastric perforator. Okay. Deep.
0: Does that yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. That's exactly what that was. So yeah, taking it I mean, abdominal, blah, blah, blah. This is not my area. (laughs) But again, moving the tummy basically up to the boobs. And I thought at first that it was just the fat, like moving the fat from the tummy up to the boobs, but it's not. It's a whole monster procedure that I guess, from what I've heard, takes so much to recover from because they're moving not just the fat, but like the blood vessels and skin and everything else underlying muscle, like they move that all up there. So um, when I was doing my original research, that seemed like the greatest option for me. And that was me just, again, I, in essence, just wanted a tummy tuck. But when I brought that up to my, uh, surgeon, she was like, Uh, it's a little more than just a tummy tuck, my love. <laughs> like, here's everything that goes into it. Um, but that's, that's another option. Um, so. I had the, like I said, the double mastectomy. I wanted the direct to implant, but that wasn't a good choice for me. So they ended up doing, um, expanders now in our last episode, I went off on expanders for a minute, <laughs> so I'll do it again. Um, but expanders feel like sam you mentioned that it it might feel like tupperware like that's what it feels like it's it's that's what i've heard i personally have not had expanders but from the women i've talked to
1: that's the one that sticks with me because i picture some rubbermaid
0: tupperware (laughs) you know poking at the corners perfect because that's exactly what it feels like so an expander is like a deflated implant more or less. And it has a little port on the top of it. So they stick that in at like during your surgery, they'll put the expanders in then they close you up after your surgery. And then once you're sort of healed, um, then they start adding fluid to the expanders through that port. And the point of that is to stretch your skin and create a pocket for the implant to, or what am I trying to say? For the implant to eventually go into. (laughs) Um, Right. The expanders are a real pain in the ass. Um, I've heard some people say that they didn't affect them at all. I've had other people say to me that they were incredibly painful. I was somewhere in the middle. I didn't love them. Um, they don't really look very much like a boob when they're getting filled out. They actually, mine at least had kind of like a square shape to them. So I had square boobies (laughs) for a bit. Um, and as they get bigger, it only becomes more pronounced, that weird kind of shape that they have. Also, it's, I don't think that they're like, at least mine, I don't think we're like tied down to my chest wall. So they kind of move around a bit in there. Like they're creating this. Floating Tupperware. <laughs> I wish you all could see Sam's face when I'm explaining this. Um, yeah, they kind of, they move around. They're uncomfortable. You know, sometimes I'm a side sleeper. And I would sleep on my side and the, um, expander would like slowly mush into like my armpit on the side. I'm like, gross. Um, so they're, they're really not fun, but they, to me, at least they weren't super painful. Um, just very uncomfortable. So you go in, I was at least going in once a week. I think some people do it more quickly than this. Some, you know, um, not as quickly sometimes every two weeks, every three weeks, but I went in once a week to get them filled up, to create that pocket of where the um, implant was eventually going to end up. And then when those were completely filled, I, and this isn't for another episode, but I ended up freezing my eggs for the whole next month. So I was taking all of those um, hormones and everything that people usually do for IVF to, you know, get your eggs ready to go. Then they, um, froze the eggs. And then the next month I went in for a dual surgery. Um, first thing was a total hysterectomy. Second thing was to take out the expanders and put in the implants. Um, so that's kind of how that, that's how they
1: got you in there. That's how they got you in
0: there, Megan. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're gonna take you gonna get
1: new boobies, we're going to take everything,
0: all the rest of your girl parts, but you get boobs. And I was like, all right, sold, whatever. Um, so ended up doing that. And then I have had a few more surgeries afterwards, which is where you take fat from other parts of your body and you move them up to your boobs in order to give them a far more, uh, natural look like that. I was explaining in the last episode that For me, at least there was no breast tissue that we're used to. And there's that usual, um, what am I trying to say the, the slope there's that usual slope from, you know, the top of your neck into your boobs. And that just wasn't there for me anymore. It was just flat and then a bump from my implant. So we took fat from other parts of my body through lipo, which, like I said, not mad at it hurts it hurts a hell of a lot, which I was unaware of. Um, but took the fat, moved it up to the boobs and they looked fantastic. I was so happy with them until I realized that your body starts to kind of eat up that fat that we moved up there because there isn't, it doesn't have its own blood supply. So some of that fat stuck, some of it disappeared. And I've had to have, I think four or five extra surgeries to get it to where they look now. And it's been about a year since, uh, eight months, a year ish from my last surgery. And I'm starting to notice that, you know, there's more dimpling, there's more rippling there's, it's very clear that my body has been eating up some more of that fat. So I figure, you know, each time we put some in there, a certain percentage sticks, but I'm gonna have to do this a few more times. To make sure that it all kind of eventually sticks where it's supposed to stick. Um, so that's how it feels, man, that's how it feels. <laughs> and like, right after the surgery, they look wonderful, you know, like they're, they're full in all the right places and they bounce. I remember being so happy running down the steps one day after it was like a week or two after like my last surgery. And as I was going down the stairs, each time my foot would hit a stair, my boobs would bounce, and I just yelled for my husband. I was like, "Cody, they're bouncing!" And he's like, "Wait, what?" He thought there was something wrong, and he came around the corner. I was like, "Look!" And I just started bouncing up and down. And he's like, "Good job, Megan. Well done." But just that bounce after not having anything for so long, after just feeling completely flat or mangled or strange looking—you know—it it, my boobs just felt so foreign to me and then not being able to feel certain parts of your chest and maybe some other parts. Um, it's, it's nice to finally be sort of towards the end of it, but I am under no notion that this is my last surgery. Um, you know, if I don't keep those pockets full with the fat, and if I don't keep having these surgeries, then they, they start to look lopsided. They start to, you know, the implants will even like flip around in that pocket. I call it flipping a tit where the, like the flat part of the implant, like faces out instead of against your chest wall. Oh God. I finally taught myself how to flip them myself. I used to have to go back to the doctor and have her flip them every time. And I ended up watching a YouTube video on how to do it. And I felt like a God, I felt like I could do anything that day. Cause I can flip my foot back. Good Lord. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my experience with the whole thing. Um, but there are, there are a number of different ways that you can do reconstruction. There's, um, there's going just flat and not doing reconstruction at all. So I take it back. That's not a reconstruction, but you can just go flat. You can do the implant or you can do the, um, the flap. They call it like the tram flap, which is like from your side or that deep flap that we were talking about um sam was saying right before this she never knew there were so many flaps
1: <laughs> on a body <laughs> yeah yeah it's um i'm glad that the surgery options available uh cater to some of the women out there um me personally i could not imagine my back getting used uh for my breast but i have seen some crazy results well,
0: you're also <laughs> such a tiny you're also such a Tiny little thing. I am not a tiny little thing. I've got more than enough flaps. <laughs> so That's what I have. It just take it, take extra flaps if you need to. <laughs> I was I, again. That's why I was really hoping for the deep flap in the beginning. But the deep procedure, um, and I, I won't even try to explain why, because frankly, I don't really remember. Um, but for some reason, it wasn't a good fit for me, but it is a really good fit for somebody. So ask about, you know, cause some people don't like the implant thing. Like we mentioned, they don't like that foreign body, but they still want boobs. So how do you do that? You take it from other places. So that is another option for people. And I think at some point we're going to want to get somebody, um, on the podcast that we can talk to an interview, um, another survivor and ask them, you know, what, how did the, how did the flap work for you? And you know, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? Um, but what, what is, what are your Sam, what are your like highs and lows about reconstruction? If you have any, like, what were the things that were weird to you? What were the things that were great and what was just all around shitty?
1: Yeah. So overall my doctor, my plastic surgeon was awesome. Um, one thing I did find weird was when you go in for your plastic surgery appointments and they take the pictures and you like rotate and they take like, Uh I don't know why, but it, it was like, they, I don't know, maybe the assistant was under the impression I had just gotten a boob job. I get it, you know, but I was (laughs) like, I'm not really trying to, I know that they're just trying to take pictures for their records, but I was like, I'm not trying to glorify this moment necessarily, you know, like, is this a good thing, you know, a bad thing? And um, definitely taking The drains out was a high point for me because that was a lot of Uh, relief needed that I don't think could have been, like, as happy as I was with the reconstruction, without the drains, I'd be miserable. I don't know if I would do the same again if I knew about the drains. The drains were killer to
0: me. They're so bad. Yeah. Well, I've also heard from a number of women too, that like a lot of their doctors, mine thankfully did explain everything to me. I knew about the drains beforehand. I didn't know how they were going to feel and how uncomfortable they were going to be and painful and everything else. But I did know that they were going to happen. I've got a girlfriend that I was talking to. She had no idea that the drains were going to be a thing until she woke up with drains sticking out of her side. Oh no. And yeah, I'm like, first of all, what is your doctor doing? Not telling you about this. But second of all, there's so much that goes into those drains and draining them at specific times and keeping track. If you want to go back to the last episode, I talk about how I was not keeping track of how much fluid was coming out, (laughs) which meant that I had to have them in for an extra week, which sucked so much. Um, but they are incredibly important. They're just the worst. Yes,
1: I definitely agree. Um, but overall
0: reconstruction
1: in its entirety for me was definitely one of the more positive experiences I had. Um, And I would do it again. I had a great result. My doctors were very nice. My follow-up care was great. Um, I felt like my doctors took very good care of me. I got a great result. They listened to what I wanted. If I had any concerns, I know that they would be addressed. So I definitely think it's important that you trust your reconstruction with doctors who are going to listen to what you want and what your goals are. Because something that I have seen a lot of is doctors recommending things that are best medically for you, even though that's maybe not what the patient would want. That's not me saying, do whatever you want, regardless of the medical risk. I'm just saying, don't be afraid to advocate for what you want and look for a team that listens to what you want. And maybe that's not what you end up doing, but they can at least acknowledge what you want and maybe not explain why it's a great idea or why they would be willing to do it. But maybe they have some limitations or constraints that they want to follow. That's totally okay too. I am known to question my doctors and I think it's a great thing. Um, I think it's almost necessary in modern day medicine to advocate for things that directly relate to you that your doctors may
0: not bring up to you first. Yeah. I mean I for me it was it was really important to me. I'm just the type of person I have to research everything. So I researched everything first and then decided that like the deep flap is the way that I wanted to go. Then I went into my doctor and she was so wonderful explaining all of the different ways that you could do reconstruction and then explaining to me why she didn't think that the deep flap was the best way for me to go. But what I loved about her, is she never said no. She said, if that's what you want to do, we can absolutely do that. But here are the things that I caution you about. And what's so nice is, you know, looking back on all of my surgeries and all of my doctor's appointments and everything else, I don't think that I regret any of it because you know, there there are things that I still kind of waffle back and forth on. Should I have done that? Should I not? But there was never anything that happened to me during surgeries that I didn't feel like I was in complete control of. You know, it was my choice because my doctors explained it so well to me, um, if you feel like your doctors are not explaining something well to you, definitely do your, uh, your own research. We will always in the description of our podcast, be putting different links, um, and different explanations of, um, You know different procedures that we will be discussing on here because again we're not doctors we will inevitably mess up some of this Um, and we're looking to our community here to tell us what we're messing up on but we will always make sure that we are either correcting ourselves or putting information in the description Um, but yeah I think so much of it just really has to do with you know what what you're wanting specifically um, you know aesthetically what you want to see in the mirror every day. Um, or what you don't care about seeing in the mirror every day, if it, you know, if you wanted to just go flat closure, that's, I, I can't wait to get somebody on to talk to us about that. Um, but so much of it depends on your body type, what type of cancer, what stage, if you're going to be doing radiation, I know that that can sometimes affect what sort of reconstruction you can have. Cause it really kind of messes with the skin. Um, my mom had radiation and she was looking recently to get to do a fat transfer from one place on her body to nut, up to her boobs, to kind of, you know, push them out a little bit. She had a mastectomy like 20 years ago. So she just kind of wanted to fix it up a little bit, but she wasn't able to do it because something had happened to the skin that had made it. Well, I know what happened. It was the radiation, <laughs> the radiation happened to the skin and it made it too thin, I guess, for them to actually do the fat transfer. Um, cause she saw me doing the fat transfer and thought, Hey, maybe I should do that. And she's not able to, which really sucks. Um, but throw out all of those questions to your doctors and say, you know, I know what's gonna be happening here now this year, but how will that have any implications on future surgeries or future, um, modifications that we wanna do down the road? Cause I, I, I don't know all of the things that go into it, but apparently radiation can be one of those. Oh, yes. Um, and definitely make sure
1: that you're taking adequate time off to rest after your surgery. I know that I was oh my in a big rush to get back to work. So hindsight is always twenty twenty. I would take two months off or more if I could. <laughs> Megan, now was your experience oh, with that?
0: God. I hear people all the time. And I was absolutely one of these people. I work, 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 work constantly. So when I was first diagnosed, I remember telling my, uh, my bosses like, Hey, and I'm really cool with my bosses. We're a smaller firm. um, And I don't have to like go through HR and everything. So I was just telling them like, Hey, here's what I expect. Um, Probably about like a month off or something. And then I can probably come back. And after the mastectomy, And the issues that I had with reconstruction, um, if you, I'll go into it in a sec, but um, there was a certain area of skin that was not healing properly. And we were worried that it was basically just going to, yeah, chunk is what I named it. It was just a chunk of skin that did not want to heal. It was extra mad about the mastectomy, which I understand. And it just wanted to piss off and be done with it. Um, But I ended up having to do a whole month-long stint in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber to try to save chunk which we eventually did thank god but if we didn't then i was going to have to go flat and again that that wasn't what i had planned for it wasn't what i specifically wanted and just anytime something doesn't go the way that you want it especially in a situation like this that you don't have much of a say over it can just be devastating um so yeah that's <laughs> I'll go in a chunk real quick for those that didn't listen to the last episode. There was this area of skin about four inches by four inches, right kind of under my nipple. And it wasn't healing. We were doing all of the medical salves and you know um, things that you're supposed to do to try to save certain skin areas. Um, I was putting the stuff on that a lot of burn victims will put on their skin to try to like get it to regrow. And it just was not happening. And we couldn't fill up the expanders until chunk was healed. <laughs> so I ended up every single day having to go to a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. And that was finally um, fixed, finally good enough to start doing the expanders and filling those up. But, you know, things will happen inevitably. They will happen that you didn't plan for it and you don't want. But I mean, shit, we're all here because we got cancer, which wasn't planned for. And we didn't want, you know, so you get pretty good at, taking the punches and figuring out, all right, okay. That didn't go as, as I wanted, but where do we go from here? But it still is really, really disappointing. Um, when, you know, you don't wake up with the boobs that you want. Um, and when there's a number of surgeries to go into something resembling quote unquote normalcy for you. Um, and then when you add in the fact that you just can't feel most things, that's, that's a whole extra level of disappointing. So I guess, (laughs) I don't know if that was part of your question, Sam, but like kind of go back to it. That, that was like the pros and cons, the pros, the only pro really is that I like how they look now. That's, that is the pro the con was how long it took to get there. Um, the whole hyperbaric oxygen thing, um, because of the, the tissue wanting to just die and go away. Um, And all of the surgeries that I've had to have thus far to fat transfer from one part of my body, be it my stomach, my thighs, whatever. And then moving that up to my boobs. So it was, it was a pretty long road to get them to where they are now. And I know that I still have a few more surgeries, right? No, that's but if you're able to do direct <laughs> to implant and your doctor thinks that would be awesome, I I highly recommend that. No <laughs> if you're able to, but yeah, a lot of us are not.
1: Yeah, no, that's tough, Megan. I I think the same. Even though my surgery was one and done, I'm like, eh, if I had to have cancer to have the surgery and do the chemo, like I'm good. I would have I would have not, but I'm like, it's a consolation because they're right now. <laughs> um yeah so i think we're just kind of used to living with what it is and what we're left with afterwards and learning to love that and move forward which i'm grateful that i have been able to but i know that there's a lot of women including you who are still going through surgeries and i encourage everybody to continue advocating for the desired result that they're looking for, because no no patient that deals with breast reconstruction should have to settle for what they had less than prior to surgery or what is less than desired or expected. So I think yep. the more we advocate for normalcy in those categories, we're going to do better not only for the patients but also for the medical professionals in the industry i know my plastic surgeon one thing that really warmed my heart when i went to go see him was i said are you sure you're going to be able to do my surgery i know it's kind of last minute and he said i block out time in my schedule for breast cancer patients because you didn't expect to get cancer i can't expect you to be on a four-month waiting list then i tears came to my eyes because I was like, wow, how considerate that a healthcare professional, you know, voice that. And same thing with my oncologist. Um, she typically doesn't see patients on Fridays. And when she got my referral, she instantly saw me. So I'm grateful for little moments like that. Um, because this whole situation is unpredictable. And especially when it comes to surgeries, reconstruction, dealing with all those types of professionals all at once you know especially when they do 75 percent cosmetic only and then maybe they do 25 Mm percent my plastic surgeon was uh about 50 50 so about half of his patients were um oncology cancer patients so i'm grateful for that i think that it allowed him to have a much more in tune (laughs) touch with me as well because i said i wanted one surgery and he said okay let's do
0: it it's, it's so important to be able to feel heard. And if you guys don't feel heard or seen or understood or something by any of your doctors, there is nothing wrong with finding a new one. I was so concerned in the beginning. Well, what if I don't like these doctors? What if they're not really hearing me? I feel like I'm on a time constraint. I got to get this shit out of me as quick as possible. Um, you know, it, I, I, I think that I probably would have struggled finding a new person. Not that there aren't a myriad of different amazing doctors here in Denver, but I, it was so hard for me to get myself up and going to these appointments in the first place. I just couldn't imagine doing it again. And I lucked out like I have such a good team. And so I never had to like get a second opinion. I just knew from the moment that I met them, these are my doctors. Um, but, you know, if there was one that was not a good fit, um, if anybody out there has a doctor and you just really feel like you're just a number to them, you're just another person with cancer. You're just, you know, like in this cattle call of cancer patients that they have all day, every day, find someone else. There are really, really good doctors out there. Um, oh, and something else I want to mention. Um, this wasn't always the case. I think if you talk to like your grandmas who have had breast cancer, um, or even your moms that have had breast cancer, it wasn't always the case that insurance is required to cover breast reconstruction surgery. And it doesn't matter how many reconstruction surgeries you need. It is required to cover that. The, um, in DC, the legislation passed, I I want to say it was like early 2000s, late 90s or something that they made that a requirement that insurance cover that. So just, you know, there are so many concerns, including financial, when you go through breast cancer, you know, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be on disability? Do I have to still work? What is the whole thing? At least that's one less thing that you need to worry about because you will absolutely hit your deductible throughout all of this. Um, so just go with whatever makes you the most comfortable. And don't worry about the financial side of it because all of breast reconstruction needs to be covered.
1: Right. I totally agree with you, Megan. And, If you're hesitant on maybe which breast reconstruction option or avenue you would like to approach or go down, we're hoping to create a big group of patients and breast cancer survivors that have gone through a myriad of different surgeries. So maybe post up on our Facebook page and I'm sure somebody will get in touch with you if they've had any experience with the type of surgery you're looking into also hopefully we have connected with some great permanent nipple areola tattoo artists and can hook you up with someone like that i do believe that that is covered by insurance
0: sometimes if not all of the time right yep i think it is I think it is. We'll figure that out too. And anything that we ever don't know on this, we'll figure it out after we have our whole discussion and post things in the description and on our Facebook page and all of that. Um, But yeah, those, I believe those are covered by insurance. And I know that at least out here in Denver, there are quite a few that I looked into before I knew that I was going to um, keep my nipples. I did look into a number of tattoo artists out here that will do them for free for cancer patients. So, Yeah. So look in your area and, you know, there are some specifically medical tattoo artists and that's all that they do. There are also other tattoo artists that just do regular tattoos, but they'll do these for free sometimes. So look for nonprofits um, in your area that might cover that for you. If your insurance doesn't cover it for some reason Um, and look, just Google tattoo artists in your area and make sure they do good work. (laughs) I mean, just like all of this, just like all of this, you're stuck with it for a very long time. Um, Sam, do you know any people that did like the big tattoos on on their breasts? Like if they didn't keep their nipples or they had like their cancer tattoos that they put on their on their boobs? Flowers,
1: decor that go up the rib cage and undercarriage that are very beautiful. I thought about it, but I already have a sleeve and the thought of needles right now just turns me completely off. So (laughs) maybe in a
0: few years, but not now. (laughs) Yep, yep, Yeah. I'm kind of in the same place I have seen like on a bunch of Facebook groups that are out there and I'm sure that we'll have some on our Facebook group. I've seen some that are just stunning and I was really, really thinking about it. I haven't yet done it either. Um, I, the way that I'm looking at it right now is like, I just got them back (laughs) to where I feel reasonably comfortable with them. So before I make any like long lasting forever moves, um, I just want to wait a little bit and like maybe find something amazing. But I think that that's also a really, really good way that women can kind of come back into their own, you know, taking it back and... You know if you if you lose your real boobs and now you have these new ones but maybe you don't have nipples you know and and you don't want to do a nipple tattoo but you want to do some you know big tattoo on you i think that that's a really really good way to go to feel really beautiful and pretty um if that's what you're looking for your doctors don't live with all of this for forever your spouse your parents your friends people that are often very well meaning Um, but they're not the ones that need to live with your decisions, you are so. This needs to all you know, I was gonna say it it all falls on you, which is overwhelming, but it's also true. And you know, you want to feel the best that you possibly can about yourself, however that looks. So just make sure that your doctors are listening to you.
1: Quit support at home or wherever you need it. I know this is a little bit of a taboo subject, but. If your spouse or someone at home is making you feel less than because of a life-saving surgery that you had to have, or a recosmetic or a cosmetic surgery, or a reconstruction surgery, whatever the case may be, you need to realize that the issue is not you and that. That is not the support that you probably need in the moment and probably need to kind of recalibrate what's going on. Because if anybody's making you feel like that at a time when you are sick and your life is in jeopardy, you should seek comfort elsewhere.
0: (laughs) To put it mildly, if anybody's giving you shit about it, get out of that is what I feel. <laughs> I'm, get out of that relationship. It is not the one that you need to be in. You want somebody and I'm not talking just spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends or family members. I mean, just anybody that is not giving you the support that you need. Um, they likely don't have much of a place in your life right now. You know, maybe you can fix it later on, but for right now, that's that's not what you need. You need cheerleaders all around you. I like that, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the last thing that I want to talk about is recovery time. Um, So everybody's body on the best of days heals at different rates. You, if you're going through chemo before reconstruction or after reconstruction, that can also play a big role. Same thing with radiation that will also play a role in your healing time. You have got to give yourself that time to rest and relax and let your body do what it does. And it will, it will probably take longer than you think it's going to. Um, after my mastectomy, I started saying this, I thought I was gonna be back in about a month. And when all was said and done, I ended up taking eight months off of work, just straight through. Um, because mine was, although I I didn't do chemo, I ended up having surgery after surgery, after surgery. Um, so I, I ended up just doing, um, disability insurance and you know, that, that is what it was. Um, but I thought that I was gonna be able to get back to work very quickly. You, you won't, you won't want to, I mean, some people, some people you're just gonna have to, and that sucks. Um, try to find ways either through HR or talking to your bosses, whatever your job is to give yourself that space to recover at home, if possible, working remotely. Um, You know, it is so tough, especially with this new body. You know, you're gonna be puffy from surgeries. I know that I, my face, I look back at pictures, my face was a perfect circle and my whole body was puffy. Everything was just not where it was supposed to be and then having to go right back to work with all of that, that's that's a lot. Um, and especially in this country, we are just so conditioned to go back to work quickly and to, you know, girl boss it up and always be working and always look like you're okay. And you're likely not going to be perfectly okay. For those that are, my God, well done. But I was not to Most people I needed that time off. I was not capable of thinking about anything other than cancer. I wasn't capable of, you know, I I do family law. So focusing on other people's problems and what they were going through, I would just not be good at my job at that point. Um, so any amount of time that you are able to take off, do it. You know that is what disability exists for that is you know what hr is there for um you know i don't believe that anybody should be losing their job because they got sick and you know i've heard of friends of mine um that i met throughout this whole thing and they would bring their computer to their chemo sessions because they had to be working like it's if you have to then you have to and there's nothing that you can do about that but if there is any way to get out of it do it because it's so difficult this is such a difficult thing to go through again under the best of circumstances and very rarely do you find the best of circumstances going through uh, cancer treatments so take that time that you need listen to your body don't don't push her she's doing her best we're all doing our best here um so that is my two cents on just recovery and you know how to how to really listen to yourself and give yourself the space and time that you need it doesn't make you weak Wherever you are, um, whether it's in the U.S. or anywhere else, look, you know, and you're going through this. Look for local nonprofits, um, places that will help you with things that insurance doesn't necessarily cover. For example, there is a nonprofit out here in Denver, and um, they will often, and hit me up if you want the name of them, but they will often give money to women going through breast cancer specifically young women going through breast cancer just to quote unquote heal and they say something their their tagline is something along the lines of you know we're not going to tell you what is best for you you're we're not going to tell you what you need to heal here is this money do what do what you need so for some people that looks like um cold capping during chemo you know maybe your insurance doesn't cover that so they'll use that money towards cold capping Um, there's another Nonprofit out here and they do um like those zero gravity recliner chairs for people like, like they'll give those to you for free instead of them. yeah i wish i had one of those my god it was ridiculous watching me try to get out of bed after <laughs> surgery it was so ridiculous <laughs> like my my poor husband had to like first like take my legs and pull them off to the side then get on the other side of the bed and push me up and Oh Lord, it was a whole process. So yeah, like if you can get a zero gravity chair that just like moves up and down for you, like that can make a huge, huge difference in your recovery. And that's, you know, mine or the one out here that I found was a nonprofit. There are tons of places. There's obviously, you know, Susan G. Komen, um, the American Cancer Society, there's Breast Reconstruction Awareness Campaign. There are tons of those really, really big ones. But what I have found, the best support from is those smaller nonprofits in your state, in your region, um, that that are able to help in a more individualistic sort of way. No, thank you, Megan. And to our listeners, thank you
1: for joining us on another episode of Tits Up. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with others who may benefit from this information. And if we got anything wrong, please feel free to let us know.
0: (laughs) Until next time. Tits up. We are not medical professionals and we are not giving medical advice. Everyone's experience with cancer is very different. And just because we did something one way does not mean that it is necessarily the way that you should do it. If you have any questions about your health and well-being, please contact your doctor.